and gentlemen, are you ready? It's showtime, folks! Do I have everybody's attention now? We are the nation! Give me a hell yeah! Yes! What? Yes! What? Embrace the vision. We want the smoke! Everybody's got a price! For the benefit of those with flash photography... With a tear in my eye! The cream of the crop! Hey, yo! You just made the list! I am the man! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestle Nation, pro wrestling talk for people who talk pro wrestling. This is the official podcast of Nation Extreme Wrestling, talking about all the happenings in the newest pro wrestling organization in the Pacific Northwest, as well as breaking down the world of WWE, NXT, AEW, and more. Whether it's then, now, or new, we're here to break it down. My name is Jay Bowman, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Wyatt Arndt, the stanchion, and the architect, Mike Paris. Boys, how are you doing this fine, fine? evening not gonna lie a little tired boys uh i know for you after the show ends your day's done but as an award-winning journalist uh i dug real deep with the wise men i I really got in there just to figure out you know what makes them tick so i won't say i'm hungover but i'm just a little i'm a little uh you just ask a lot of questions a little tired and uh, we got paris over here looking like a film noir waldo i don't know what's going on him right now but visual medium (laughs) (laughs) doesn't matter i described it perfectly as an award-winning journalist i nailed the description Paris, how are you doing? And would you like to describe what you're wearing right now to really drive home the film noir Waldo? I am wearing my work dress code uh, shirt, which is gray and white striped. And I'm in a dimly lit room. So, yeah. (laughs) Film noir Waldo. Uh, Anyway, uh, (laughs) that's pretty funny. Uh, Yeah, I am am doing well as well. Albeit, I was not uh, at the events on the weekend, unfortunately. But I'm also uh, waiting to hear what Wyatt's award-winning journalism has scooped up this week. Oh, we are going to drive the FOMO for you because we are going to talk about it. Fellas, NEW1 is in the books. It happened this past Saturday night at the Gaming Stadium in Richmond. It was fantastic, and we're going to talk all about it right now. Okay, so the first NEW show, as I mentioned, was this past weekend. Sold-out show for 7 p.m. at the Gaming Stadium. Everybody seemed to have a great time. Wyatt, you were there. I was there. First of all, a happy belated birthday to Mr. Mike Paris. Mike had his birthday on Saturday, so special stuff going on for him as well. But unfortunately, more people came to this event than I'm assuming went to a birthday for you. (laughs) That is true, yes. (laughs) Look at that assumption. I got it right. I got Jesus. it right. This is journalistic instincts. Why you like that? Oh, they were terrible. Um, okay, so the show itself was fantastic. So anyone who's there knows that uh, they nailed it out of the park. Uh, home run. 
first show, there's going to be a few stumbles here and there, but overall, production value, uh, crowd-wise, just the presentation. The wrestlers themselves, the workers, the backstage crew, the detect people, the ring crew, um, you know, uh, you talk about wrestling a lot, and it took me a while to kind of, like, it's a very kind of close-knit community wrestling, and it took me a while to get in there, but seeing everyone again, uh, it is a very family atmosphere, just like a lot of stories, a lot of, it was just like, it felt like I, you know, I hadn't seen in a long time, but it felt like I had never been gone, like, it was just such uh, a really fun time there, and I can't, again, you may think because we're associated with it new that we're going to kind of, like, pump them up, but, like, real talk here, real journalistic award-winning talk here. Uh, that was one of the most well-run shows I've seen in terms of professionalism. Like the food spread they had, the support they had, just the the communication they had, uh, how everything went down. Like it was just one of the, just, I could not uh, have pictured a better event. So, you know, hat off to to New and everyone involved and to all the fans. I'm sure you guys had a fantastic time. Everything from making sure everyone was safe from COVID. Like it was all great. Like it was just, you couldn't have planned it better. So hats off as well. Chris and Rob, you guys should be so proud of yourself right now. Absolutely. And shout out to the fans for coming out and being an awesome crowd for the event. I know uh, Scottify is a listener of ours. He was there. Uh, David Litwinski uh, ringing the bell for the first match, Judas Icarus and Travis Williams. And I saw a lot of great footage that uh, David took. He took awesome pictures, took some really, really great video, and it looks like he had a great time. So, David, thank you for ringing the bell and getting us officially started uh, at the 7 p.m. show. Well, you know who else was there? Not missing out on my birthday for not the first time in my <laughs> life. Clive, my dad, was in the audience. He did claim that he was the oldest person there. I don't know if you guys can verify this or not. <laughs> no, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but he he did say that he uh, was uh, pitching for a senior's discount so that they could attract more uh, fans of his age. And he also had ch a challenge finding the washroom uh, at the event. So he did say that uh, in the senior section, it would keep all the smell of stale urine all to one corner uh, if they had a senior <laughs> section for the yeah. for the match. So that, that is Sapperton talk. I do not like that, sir. No, no. <laughs> okay, so we have Clive's feedback. Excellent. <laughs> he also said he had a hell of a time. Yes. That production values were through the roof. Uh, loved the setup, loved the vibe in the gaming stadium, uh, and he, of course, was raving about a few matches, mainly the main event, but he also had great things to say about a lot of the other matches on the card as well. Did your dad tell you by chance, if he had to choose an emoji for the event, what he would have chosen? Can you uh, ask him that? Can you ask him that during the show and get back to us? Absolutely. I'm <laughs> Thank not you, sir. Sure. We're live. We're doing it. This is journalism at its finest. Don't question it. Thank you. All right, so we'll run down. Uh, we'll run down both cards for a bit here. Uh, talk about some of the wrestlers we saw, some of the matches. Uh, Two p.m. show first. Great show. Really good early crowd. Getting the wrestlers going. Getting the fans going. Uh, first match we saw the two p.m. show was the Wise Men defeating the uh, the Illa Tribe. So really great to see the Wise Men for the first time in eighteen months. And the Illa Tribe, you know, one of the best young tag teams in the Pacific Northwest. Are they're you know they've got a good combination as they as they will tell you they've got a good combination of speed and power. Uh, I mean they do tend to steal kebabs when you're not looking, so they've mm. got a bit of a iffy background. But other than that, I mean 
if you're gonna come out and try and beat the Wiseman your first time out, that's tough. I mean, you know, this big show, first show, Wiseman are just they're too, you know, veteran savvy. So yeah, uh, you know, they pull out their little tricks. And, and again, I've been investigating the Wiseman all weekend. Uh, stand up guys, real jam up guys. Uh, and you know, bad rep. They don't deserve it. They, you know, they're you know misconstrued of, of what they do. But they're winners, and that's that's all that matters. So good job, yeah. Wiseman. Uh, I'm not done yet. Don't give me that finger. I'm gonna give a little clap for the Wiseman. Just clap for the wise men. Clap for the wise men. Just fantastic people. And that is an objective, uh, just straight down the barrel opinion of just, you know, great guys. I spoke to the Illa tribe afterwards. Also great guys. They are the opposite Debatable. of Basura. And if you don't know what that means, then I guess you're just not, you know, not down with the with the slang, with the lingo. So I mean, if, if Billy Sway doesn't know what it is, I don't need to know what it is. That's that's all. That's, and there's that's a lot. That, then there's a lot that you're not going to need to know. Then, yeah, clearly Ooh. they're still winners. I mean, if I'm living life with the limos and the jets and and investigating, then what's wrong with that? Second match we had, we had Bishop, the shocking defeat of Parm. I swear, I've been talking for weeks. I thought Parm had this, but. Uh, Offense didn't really do a lot of damage on Bishop. Bishop handled business pretty easily. Uh, Wyatt, thoughts on that match? Yeah, we're seeing kind of, you know, Bishop's been dancing for a couple of years. They used to kind of make fun of him, but uh, I don't feel like making fun of him anymore because he's got a glint to his eye. I don't really want to touch that nerve of the, the bad man that's inside of him. So people who don't know the evil side of Bishop, this guy's a, he's a killer. So we saw that with Parm. Uh, Parm at one point... Uh, wouldn't stay down, much to Bishop's chagrin, and uh, so he put him down. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, a powerful Bishop bomb, the end of that one. I would like to say, I'd like to admit when I'm wrong, I was wrong. I was I was certain that Parm would, would maybe beat him with an abdominal stretch, but it just, uh, yeah, sadly, <laughs> sadly didn't happen. Any updates from Clive? Nothing yet, nothing yet. Oh, he's gonna leave you Stay on. Tuned. He's gonna leave you on red, skipping <laughs> your birthday to go to yeah. wrestling, leaving your text on red. <laughs> Clive's treacherous. Uh, third match we had Artemis Spencer uh, getting a little tune up for Speedball Mike Bailey for 7 p.m. Uh, beat Malik Mello. Actually, a really hard hitting match. I like this match a lot. Uh, I like Malik Mello, uh, but uh, yeah, Artemis Spencer throwing big clotheslines. Mello too. That was a pretty hard hitting match, and surprising that Artemis Spencer would take that match when he's got the huge main event against Speedball Mike Bailey at 7 p.m. Yeah, I mean, Artis Spencer, as much as I think he's, you know, a little too happy, a little too laid back, he's, he's a winner. I can't I can't deny that. He is one of the best in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but I do like Mello's, I like his vibe. That guy came out, he had some heat to it, and he's like, you yeah. guys don't even know. Like, he brought he brought the heat, and obviously he's still a young wrestler, but he's got power. That kid's got some power, and he's got potential. So, uh, you know, he's a Toronto fan. So I, I, even I can't get around that. That's a little too tough for me to get on board with. But, you know, he, he can, look, we'll give him a son, Dean Canucks jersey, all will be well. We yeah. can fix this. We can fix this. Yeah, that's the best team Sundin played for. That's what he's yeah, most he's known for, exactly. is playing for the Vancouver Canucks, right? Okay, look, honestly, honest to God, what was Sundin's career highlight? It was winning against the Leafs in a shootout. That, yeah, that's it was true. a great moment. Yeah, Mike right? Paris, if I, ask, if I ask you word association, I say Matt Sundin, what's the first team that comes to mind? Uh, the Seattle Kraken. That's weird, right? That is weird. Oh, okay. Then you're, I guess the Canucks. This there is where it is. doesn't go to your birthday. Okay, right there is why he doesn't go to your birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next match of the 2 p.m. show was Sebastian Wolf beating Travis Williams and Elliot Tyler in a three-way dance. I was about to have a chicken wing. Uh, sorry, what was that? <laughs> As a professional, I need to eat and keep my energy up. What was that? What were sorry, why? Sebastian Wolf beating Travis Williams and Elliot Tyler. Again, Paris was talking one more time. <laughs> no. Wolf. Wolf winning. Wolf. wolf. Yes. Yeah, okay. Sebastian Wolf. Um, 
I have heard that, you know, he's maybe going to team up with Cassidy. I know he's looking into as a lawyer, my fellow lawyer, my, my lawyer that I use. He might use him. We don't know for sure. But that guy's a powerhouse. You look at him. Uh, it's no secret that the Indies people can be, you know, a bit shorter. Uh, Brony himself has said that he used to be a cruiserweight, but now he's, a, you know, a heavyweight and he didn't change. So it's just the Indies can have smaller guys. And Wolf, though, he's an imposing dude. Uh, he's a strong guy. He's a no-nonsense guy. Like, he comes out, you don't, you don't, want, you don't want to fuck with that guy. So uh, it's no surprise to me that he's got a bit of momentum out there. Judas Icarus beating Daniel Maccabi. Oh, hold on. Paris had something to say. Paris? Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, I was really looking forward to seeing uh, Wolf's work. And uh, I'm sad I didn't get to see it because he's a guy who I think his energy uh, interests me. And I think he's uh, one of the the top uh, newer talents coming into NEW. Yeah, he was excellent for both shows. And we'll talk a little bit about his match with Evan Rivers. That was the 7 p.m. show. Uh, Judas Icarus beating Daniel Maccabi uh, in the matinee. Maccabi is a he is a wrestling genius. You can't deny it. He's a technical wizard. But I've always, you know, pumped the tires of Judy Chris. You know that. I love Judy. I think this guy is going to be championship material. And he brought it. And Judy, you know, he used to be a guy the fans didn't like. But just you can see from his work that people appreciate what he does in the ring. And he's getting the cheers out there. Um, weird dude. I don't know what he's doing in the ring. He points to his head and screams a lot. Uh, sometimes he screams in a high-pitched voice when he kicks you. Love it. Don't know why he does it, but I'm into it. So uh, I, I can't wait to see where Judas goes in, in NEW. Evan Rivers defeating Fergie in your next match of the 2 p.m. show. Evan Rivers, another person who really impressed uh, on Saturday at the gaming stadium. Yeah, Rivers has a really good vibe about him. So uh, I am intrigued to see where he can go because like, he almost seems to be... You look at parallel paths in wrestling. You know, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, uh, Steve Austin, The Rock. You know, you've got Artemis Spencer, El Fantasmo, Baroni. Uh, here it seems like Evan Rivers is going to be right on par with Sebastian Wolf. Like those two seem like they're going to be going down the line together. They're going to like always be crossing paths, much like Icarus and Williams. So um, I like his look. I like the, his work in the ring. And he seems like... Uh, you know, a little, little again, if you're too happy in the ring and worried that you don't have that killer instinct, he seems a little too nice for me, but we'll see where it goes. I'm just excited to, to see him work because he follows me on Twitter. So, uh, yeah. Mike, see, that's, that's, that's easily that's a, excitable. That's what see, you like, be a journalist. Like Wyatt has like, you know, like 20,000 followers. So if someone follows him on Twitter, it's not a big deal. Me with my, you know, barely over 400 followers, it makes a difference. You know, it's a big deal. I turned alerts off, boys. I don't, I didn't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear it. Verified accounts only. Right? Like, I got a check mark for a reason, right? Check mark because I'm a winner. Speak. I thought it was because you're an award-winning journalist. Exactly. For many reasons. The check mark means many things. If you had investigated that, you would have known. Speaking <laughs> of followers, uh, Reloaded beat the Voros twins at the matinee, which was a surprising result, to say the least. Uh, I mean, Boros twins, I feel like they had a bit of a killer instinct, but COVID took that off of them. They've been doing a lot of TikTok videos, you know, they're trying to make everyone love them and, and doing their little jokes and all that shit. So not surprising that they took their eye off the ball and that they reloaded who they're all their own boat is wrestling. They don't care about videos right now. They're just trying there to win. And the Boros twins, you know, what's more important to you? Social media followers or wrestling? They got to answer that question for me. And then a hard-hitting main event for the matinee, Nicole Matthews beating Veda Scott. Mike, I know that was a match you were looking forward to and pretty sad to miss. It was, and I've now seen the infamous picture of Veda Scott choking her up against the rope and asking for a picture to be taken. So uh, I, I assume that wasn't the whole whole uh, kit and caboodle of that match, uh, but I was excited to see it, and I'm sad I didn't. Uh, looking forward to the recording, though, because I'm going to watch that stream, and I'm going to watch it to death. Oh, no, wait, that's on the earlier show. Dang. Yeah. Missed it. It's well, over. You got to make sure you go be to Be there both. or be square. 
We will be having the stream coming out at some point later on this week. I believe it'll be available on Twitch and YouTube for the 7 p.m. show. We'll talk about the 7 p.m. show a bit now. Judas Icarus beating Travis Williams in the first match of the night. Man, it was awesome. Great to see those two mixing it up. Very familiar opponents. This is one that uh, Clive came back to me as, as a great match. He said that it was an excellent way to, to start off the, the show that had the most eyes on it. And uh, it, it, if someone wasn't familiar with those two wrestlers before and they saw that match, they're instantly hooked. So a great way to pull the curtain. Yeah, uh, Icarus and Williams are two of the biggest up-and-comers in this industry right now. And they're wrestling all over, you know, BC. They're going to be fighting on Victoria, I believe, next weekend uh, for the 365 title. Uh, so we got uh, we got pleasantly surprised with their matchup here. I could have watched those guys wrestle for 10 more minutes. Uh, you know, one day, if they keep wrestling each other only for the next five years, sure, it's Randy Orton, John Cena levels. But for now, it's very exciting. And uh, those two can go. They really work well off each other. And again, Icarus used to be a guy that people didn't like. But now that, you know, it's... Easy to become a fan favorite when you're facing Travis Williams, who is, you know, criminally misunderstood. He's just a guy who's very sure of himself, and people take that as arrogance. You know, idiots out there don't get it. But uh, the match for sure was very intriguing. And again, that crowd was into it, and they love that match. Second match was the Voros Twins versus the Illa Tribe. couple pairs of brothers going at it in tag team action. Voros gets the win with uh, the Da Vinci Code finisher, uh, which I've seen tons of videos for online. Uh, thoughts on that tag team match? I will say that uh, the Voros Stones will not let you forget about Da Vinci. Uh, it was mentioned several times during the <laughs> match. It's, it's, it's a brand. It's the opening of their music. The first thing you hear is that sound bite. Sure did. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, they are a fantastic tag team. And when I first saw them, you know, coming up to the ranks, I was like, oh, these guys, who are these guys? But they have improved every moment I see them. They get better and better. Uh, I mean... They are. I, I, I talk about them being, you know, addicted to TikTok and stuff, but like no one's done better branding than them. They are very good at it and they are very good at making themselves, you know, connect with the fans. Uh, I do wonder as real talk, like, will the fans accept, uh, you know, is that is that crowd going to accept that social influencer lifestyle? We'll see. Uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of the infamous battles of real twins versus just brothers, uh, the Voros twins have put a check mark and real twins are better. You got to you gotta admit it. A uh, couple notes about uh, the Voros twins that I would like to touch on. A, I love I love the branding. I think it's very cool. I think it's great. Push it. You, you did it. People were surprised to hear they were wrestlers. I had people at work talking about that video, and they were like, what? They're from around here? And I was like, oh, I've seen those guys wrestle a million times. And, uh, and, and so it's very cool that they're embracing that. And I, I dig it. I'm here for it. But to Wyatt's point, I would love to, the crowd might see them, might turn on them uh, because of it. Uh, because no one likes uh, a social media darling. So, uh, and uh, lastly, I just wanted to say that I, I, I dig that move. I think the Da Vinci Code is a cool tag team finisher. It, it suits their styles. And uh, I think the name's clever as well. Also worth calling out, both of those guys are in absolutely ridiculous shape. Like they spent, oh, they have spent this sure. off season, this last eighteen months not wrestling. Looks like they've spent the entire time in the gym. They haven't even looked at a carb this whole time. So super, super impressive for uh, for both those guys. Uh, the next match I want to talk about: Sebastian Wolf beating Evan Rivers. We talk about Sebastian Wolf having a really uh, great night. Uh, Evan Rivers in a loss comes out looking really well. Also, this was the match that could not be confined to the gaming stadium. They took this battle to number three row, didn't they, Paris? 
I, I, you know, I, I saw that clip and I was like, I love to see it. By the way, I was following, trying to follow along all night uh, via people's tweets and videos that they were taking. So I was living in FOMO in the moment. And when I saw that happen, I was like, that's awesome. The, you've got this big room, windows all facing along the road. You can, everyone can still see the action. Uh, I saw someone tweet, wow, the COVID protocols are really safe out here. The the gla- the wrestlers are even behind glass. And uh, I funny. thought that was pretty close. Yeah. That's not bad. I didn't hear that. That's good. I like that. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was a very clever moment. Now, I do have a question, though. Come on, referee. Where were you? I'm sorry. If you go out, if you're outside the ring, you count. If you go from outside the ring to outside the stadium, the count breaks until they come back inside. I think so. That's a great line clarified on the the commentary. Shit, I should have stolen that for commentary. Uh, (laughs) Wyatt, you have a little fun piece of business for this match, don't you? I do. <laughs> Didn't you have to go outside? You went outside. Well, I ran outside. No, I. I mean, yeah. I. I did have to. I saw them go spill into the road, and I do have to agree that you know refs are gonna make mistakes, but this time they made the right call because you know if you're fighting on the streets, you let that shit ride. That's good for business. That that's just end of the day. I love it. Uh, they go. They start fighting out there. I run to the door, and one of the crew says, "Excuse me, sir, you can't go out there." To which I'm like, "I'm white, goddamn art, award-winning journalist." The fear <laughs> that came into his eyes when he realized the mistake he made. He almost started crying. It was embarrassing for him. Ran past him, took the picture. Uh, fantastic. I think our, our ring announcer, Ryan Ventura, got a picture of straight on from inside the arena of Evan Rivers' face hitting the glass and streaking. There was no there was no liquids there. Well, you know, it was raining that night, but it was dry as fuck. Screech along that window. And it hurt. <laughs> uh, why? maybe you should have been wearing your hat with the little card sticking out of it, and then he would have recognized you. Scoops. To be fair, I had been partying. Oh, uh, no, investigating. Wrong word. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. Investigating the wise man. So I had on a nice tracksuit jacket and a toque. So that could be on me. But seriously, you look at me, the vibe, you can tell serious investigator journalist. That's on him. Yeah, and they are keeping track of wins and losses here. So that's, you know, undefeated so far, Sebastian Wolf. And yeah, coming out of the show, he's definitely one of the uh, the up-and-coming stars that a lot of people were talking about. But Evan Rivers as well did fantastic in a loss, came out looking well. Uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Next match, we had Veda Scott beating Jackie Lee. Jackie Lee commonly have reloaded. Both uh, members were in solo action for the 7 p.m. show. Wyatt, what was your main takeaway from that match? I, I love Jackie Lee. He's a high flyer, but he's also a tag team specialist. So he's going against Veda Scott. And she I saw her a long time ago in another promotion, and she has improved her game tremendously as well. So, you know, I felt anyone could take in that match. But Jackie Lee, again, uh, I think him and Reloaded, the, the sky's the limit for those two. Yeah, it's a shame that match had to, had to be uh, changed from what the advertised card was. But uh, I'm excited to see what happened there because, uh, like you say, uh, tag team specialist, can he go as a single? And then as well to go against, uh, you know, one of the, the better uh, indie uh, female talents out there. I'm sure it was interesting. Next match, we had uh, Daniel Maccabe submitting Nicole Matthews. What a match this was. Tons of moments throughout this match where the crowd was quiet, but it wasn't a quiet born from boredom. It was more so in anticipation because the chain wrestling, the mat wrestling, the submissions that we saw in that match were absolutely fantastic and super engrossing. And I will say again, as an award-winning journalist i had talked to nicole matthews ahead of time and she told me people don't fucking know i'm using the swear word she probably didn't swear i don't remember you know <laughs> good enough uh that i'm a technical wizard as well i just don't bust out i don't need to i, I can kick ass when i need to she also told me wyatt i'm just gonna tell you because we're friends i've been working on a moonsault and she busted it out as well so i just think overall nicole matthews you know 
Didn't get the dubs, but she is, you know, the premier woman talent in the Pacific Northwest. And I think if you face off against Dan McCabe versus Nicole Matthews, uh, out of 10 times, it goes five and five. It's that close. Uh, I follow Lionsgate Dojo on Instagram as well as uh, Nicole on Instagram. So I know she's been working on that moonsault for a while. So that's not much of a scoop, buddy. Uh, it, was, it was, again, you Buds, didn't know the sorry. kind of moonsault she was going to bust out and which corner she was going to bust out from. So congratulations on your general knowledge. I had specific <laughs> details. <laughs> All right, now a lot of these matches, it's Veda Scott beats Jackie Lee, Sebastian Wolf tops Evan Rivers, Maccabi submits Nicole Matthews. The next one, Wyatt, Sharif stuns Bishop. Uh, Bishop, one of the biggest and baddest in all of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, big, stunning upset from Sharif Morrow. Uh, yeah, great match. My lawyer has uh, informed me I shouldn't be talking about this match because I'm quite mad at what happened. I don't know what Bishop was thinking. I don't know how he lost this match. Uh, I demand revenge on his behalf. I don't know how this happened. Sharif, again, kudos to Sharif. As as you said in commentary, he capitalized on a Bishop mistake. I just feel that much like when Maven eliminated The Undertaker, be careful what you wish for because he spent the rest of his life regretting that. I don't want to see Sharif ending up, you know, as a bartender 10 years from now telling people how, you know, hey, I used to wrestle. I just think that's <laughs> what could happen here. Bishop's going to get revenge. Again, Sharif and Reload and Reloader, like the best. They're good. And I have no doubt Sharif could be a single star. It's just Bishop's a different beast. You don't want to piss him off. Sometimes you just want to take the loss so he doesn't get angry. Here's all I know is that I assume coming out of this that not only is Wyatt pissed, I assume Bishop is pissed. Oh yeah, and I think I think there's going to be some repercussions coming out of uh, what happened that night. Yeah, because even though Sharif got the win, Sharif had to be helped to the back, and Bishop sat there in disbelief and then stormed to the back. That man was angry. I would not want to be his opponent at any W two, which will be on October 9th. The next match had a lot going on. Uh, the Wise Men in a tag team match versus Elliot Tyler and Fergie, two of the biggest faces to the biggest fan favorites in all of the Pacific Northwest and uh, due to a miscue from Elliot Tyler accidentally hitting Fergie with the ring bell Fergie who if you remember suffered a loss in the opening show um, yeah Fergie attacked him afterwards and it was stunning to see I mean you know did he attack him or did he get revenge it depends how you look at it uh, you know I, look I love beef boy good kid it's like a brother to me but I don't know what he was thinking of that bell. I don't know. I, I feel like he did a couple shoulder checks. I think he think he saw Fergie there and he went to business for himself. I, I don't I don't think Fergie was out of line. I think Fergie in his, his career he brought you know, he's he's been a guy that hasn't danced a lot and, and has not been taken seriously. And you've got Beef Boy taking liberties with you. I mean, I'd get a little mad myself as well. Yeah, I mean that beatdown though, that thing was that thing was savage. Crowd was begging for that thing to stop. I, I know I know Clive was upset. Clive texted me that night. He couldn't believe it uh, that Fergie would do such a thing. No, he was uh, mad at Beef Boy, right? He was mad at Beef Boy for hitting Fergie, I assume. No, I don't know what your lawyers told you, but... Could you clarify with him? Because that makes no sense to me. I don't understand. <laughs> Did you not see the match? Was was he trying to use the washroom in the corner? Because he must have missed what happened. I don't... <laughs> Hard to say. Hard to say. Okay, okay. And then I wasn't and then your main event of the evening, instant classic, Artemis Spencer um, beating Speedball Mike Bailey. Holy crap, what a match this was. Crowd was on their feet multiple times throughout. Uh, Wyatt, your thoughts? Um, you know, some people, they watch wrestling and they always think to themselves, I want, I want to be in there. What would it be like to have a match? And I want to get involved and it'll be a lot of fun. Watch this match and that will kill that dream for you. 
Uh, they brutalized each other. The kicks they delivered to each other were vicious. I could hear them throughout the building. Uh, it was horrifyingly violent, but also an amazing match. And there was one point where Artemis Spencer was hanging off the top rope, you know, head down. And Speedball Bailey just started stomping his head repeatedly. Wouldn't let up, wouldn't let up, wouldn't let up. It was crazy. And again, it was, you know, no, it wasn't just the kicks. It was the athleticism. It was the fact that, you know, Artie never backs down from a fight. Getting the fact we even got to see Speedball Bailey, which again is a full credit to Rob and Chris for bringing in this huge talent like this. If Nanny W wanted to make a statement, they made it with this match. If you have not seen it, end of the week, make sure you watch this match. Absolutely brutal with those kicks. I mentioned with the uh, Nicole Matthews-Daniel Maccabe match that the crowd was silent throughout just in anticipation because they were so into watching it. Multiple moments during this match, same thing. And they were they were quiet, so you could hear the full volume of those kicks bouncing off of each other's chest, and it was vicious. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I was following along clips uh, on Twitter throughout the night, and I knew I knew this match was going to be hot. It was it had everything going for it, and I'm glad it uh, sounds like paid off. Um, but yeah, I saw the clip of them exchanging kicks on the apron, and I was like, hell yeah, this is my kind of wrestling. And uh, I know NEW proclaims that they will generate a this is awesome moment uh, every every show. And I can only assume, and I, I think my, maybe I saw a clip of, of a This Is Awesome chant, but I believe that was generated during that match. And uh, total credit to not only, A, the talent uh, who delivered that match, but the guys who brought them in, as, as I uh, mentioned there. Yeah, so amazing main event. Crowd went home happy. What a debut for NEW. If you're looking to get in on the action, next show will be October 9th, location to be determined. Keep your eyes peeled to nationextremewrestling.com for tickets. Uh, fellas, want to talk about the wide world of wrestling? I mean, I don't know if it's going to live up to what we just saw, but let's let's try. Let's go for if it. we gotta. All right, so still tons going on in the outside world of professional wrestling. We are going to start with AEW because they are absolutely on fire and apparently pushing WWE in a lot of panic booking right now. Uh, main thing we're going to talk about first is uh, CM Punk. Apparently, the Darby Allen feud, it might be a one and done, and it looks like he's being positioned into a feud with uh, with Team Taz. This better be building to him versus Hook is all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> Paris, your thoughts on the new direction for CM Punk as he goes into his second program now in AEW. Yeah, well, you know, he proclaimed to want to to help build that talent. I don't think that talent is Hook. Uh, but <laughs> how uh, dare you? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Sorry. That's a shot. You speedball Bailey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I'm glad to see him working with kind of uh, this mid-card stable, which I have every faith in as a good stable. Um, you know, they, they've lost uh, Starks now, which is a shame, but... Uh, Brian Cage and Hobbs and, uh, you know, I guess Hook's there too. But I could see them adding some more talent to that stable and, and building something good against uh, Punk. Yeah, they booted out Cage. But I tell you, I really like Powerhouse Hobbs a lot. Uh, awful bump off the uh, his head off the mat uh, last week during uh, Dynamite. And it, I don't know, has it come out afterwards? Was he concussed? Because he definitely seemed like he was concussed. Are we allowed to use that word? I think Vince says it's okay. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That is a weird list of words. Like, he's like, one word you can't use is wife beater. I'm like, why would that come up in your show anyways? Like, yeah. That was a weird Are we going to talk me. about Chaz? Remember Chaz's gimmick back then? Oh, they Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Why Chaz? Why? Everyone kick him out of the You can't say punting a baby. Don't say punting a baby. Snitsky's like, fuck, well, no one's ever going to talk about me again. It's the one thing, thing I had. I did. Yeah, just that. Oh, God, does he, does he still wrestle? Or a random Snitsky? aside? Like, yeah. I don't think so. I hope not. Because imagine going to any shows and that's the only thing you do is like punting a baby into the crowd like that's your one gimmick. hey 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 i would pay money to see that <laughs> that was an incredible moment in wrestling history uh and if he just came out and kicked a baby out of the gaming stadium that'd be pretty good i keep wanting to ask like a doll a baby doll a questions. baby doll i want to get Paris's uh, dad on the podcast i have so many questions for him like what did you think of stitsky kicking babies uh you know i, I gotta say like <laughs> I, I've maybe my kids aged out of this role by now, but he can take a bump. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing it for the business, son. <laughs> Is he talking yet? Uh, not particularly well. So how's he yeah. gonna call? How's he gonna call spots? Come on. His, his first words were honky tonk. <laughs> he loves the honky tonk man. As all that's all Paris watches. Vito's a honky tonk man all day. <laughs> Now look at this shake, rattle, and roll here. This is fantastic. <laughs> he does nothing else but this, and that's yeah, all he's got, it, but watch yeah. it. <laughs> uh, it looks like Brian Danielson will be moving into a program immediately with Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship, which seems to make the most sense because Danielson, obviously, huge, huge talent coming in. You kind of want him to go straight to the top, but do you see him being the one to end Kenny Omega's reign here? Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm not sure if he's the guy to end Kenny Omega's reign. I like the the heel run here with Kenny and the title, but, like, he's doing some... some. Honestly, he's one of the best, obviously. Well, he literally is the best wrestler in the world right now, if you want to trust the dirt mags. But uh, he is one of the greatest, and he can run as a heel with this title for a really long time and make it look good. Uh, Brian... Daniel... Brian Danielson. John Moxley Ambrose. Too, yeah. <laughs> Why uh, he calls him Dean Ambrose all the time? <laughs> he is he's a credible threat, and he's a guy, unlike Punk, who I'm not sure he can be trusted, or maybe he doesn't want to work every week. Uh, Brian Danielson can and will and wants to work every week, so he's the right person to uh, push through here with Punk working in that mid-card and wrestling once a month or whatever it is. Uh, Brian Danielson's the, the right guy here. Makes total sense total white meat baby face uh, against one of the best heels in the biz. So love to see it. I, I will say that watching AEW, I, like I can tell, like I was in a bad relationship with the WWE for so many years. That, like I'm still viewing it from that lens. So I'm like, okay, okay. So Danielson's here. Um, I mean, he's got to lose. He can't win against this guy. You got to, you got to bring the guy from the other company and bury him. That's how it works. Right. So I'm assuming that he'll just take the loss, but I don't think like, obviously Omega's got a ton of respect. These are wrestlers. This is people that respect the business. I think, even if Danielson isn't the guy to take the title, it's going to benefit both guys. I have no doubt. It's not going to be like a, a, a sting burial. We're like, oh, why is the NWO here? What's going on? It's not going to be something <laughs> crazy or shitty like that. It's going to make sense. And I do, th- you can bring a point. Like they talked about like Daniel Bryson talking before he got there of like, yeah, like, you know, Vince wanted to keep me safe, but I'm like, fuck it. I want to take chances. I want to wrestle these guys. You know, Daniel Bryan, if he could, would wrestle every single day of the year. Uh, and I think he wants to get in there. He wants to like, I'm sure he has a talk, uh, clock and how long his career is going to be. And he wants to wrestle as many of these guys as he can. Again, imagine you're going to a company much like NEW where wrestling feels new again and fun and you can kind of do what you love and all of a sudden you were able to, you're not having a writer telling you what to do this week based on, you know, stockholders. It's just like, no, I'm going to work out with this guy and figure shit out. And you've got one of the best in Omega, one of the best in Danielson. Uh, 
I love the fact he's in there right away in, in the mix for the title. Like it just it's he's the right guy. If you look at Pump versus Daniel, I think that makes sense to me. I yeah. Now it. the thing about it is, you know, you wonder where this leaves Adam Cole because I thought for sure they would do Adam Cole versus Brian Danielson, you know, right away based on Danielson kind of stealing his thunder a little bit. There could be some ill will regarding that, but perhaps Adam Cole's the one to maybe interfere and cost him the title against Kenny Omega. Then those two guys can go into a program for like several months. I'd love to see that because there really hasn't been anything that Adam Cole's been directed towards. Maybe Tony Schiavone because he tough talked him about Britt Baker on Dynamite. <laughs> but uh, I think that could be good because then you get Danielson doing a one and done shot with Kenny Omega before he shifts gear. And I could watch Danielson versus Adam Cole for months. I, I would love to see that one and done with Kenny Omega. Adam Cole gets in the way and then Adam Cole is consistently the guy getting in the way from Danielson in the title. And uh, and then eventually the payoff can be Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson too, right? We could see that next year and it would still feel good and fresh and different. Uh, and we could have a good year. I, I think it could last a year of Brian Danielson versus the Elite. See, it's funny because you say, yeah, it could last a year, and we'd love watching it for a year. Yet you give us Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre for a year, and all of us want to just quit watching wrestling entirely. <laughs> now, it seemed like they were positioning Adam Cole to, or not Adam Cole, sorry, Hangman Page to be the guy to dethrone Kenny Omega, that that was where they were going with. Uh, Hangman Page uh, taking some time off right now, which is great. They've got a full roster. They don't necessarily need him. Do you feel that he potentially could back in and just jump right into a program with Kenny Omega and beat him? Yeah, uh, I don't know about beat him, but yeah, like I could see that. Uh, you know, that could be the midterm uh, you know, run for the while while Adam Cole and Brian Danielson are distracted with one another, and you know, I like Hangman Page. I do. Um, it's been interesting, kind of the stuff with the Dark Order. I'm not sure where that's going or if that has any legs or not. Um, especially with the potential of Bray Wyatt, who knows where that's going? And you know, the Dark Order seems to be the right fit there, but maybe we're just maybe the writing is too on the wall there and we're hitting things too on the nose. Big Show can um, be the Dark Order. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, no yeah, more B- no punch, more no more BS, guys. It's Paul White. No more BS. Sorry. <laughs> Paul Big Show White. Yep. <laughs> uh anyway, so maybe that that's where Hangman lands, but uh yeah, I I I like Hangman at any point in the card and I think he can work wherever. I don't think he has to be a main title picture guy, but he can be. I just like that we could sit down and watch a two-hour wrestling program on Wednesday nights, and pretty much every segment is different and has different stories that I'm interested in watching unfold and different talents I'm interested in watching. Now, one person uh, who has come up uh, has been Brian Cage recently, his wife posted on social media that she feels he's not being utilized properly in the company. We've seen that guy tear it down at the Commodore. Uh, we know Brian Cage is absolutely fantastic. He's been in a bunch of different promotions and has never quite gotten over that hump. Uh, Wyatt, you're a big Brian Cage guy. What do you make of some of this? I love him. I think they could definitely utilize him better, but it's not a case of, it's not like WD mystery, but it's just like, there's just a lot of talent here. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a case like it's nothing personal, but like, there's so much talent in this organization, like there potentially could be more coming. And it's gotten to the point where I think, and I, again, I hate giving compliments to Paris, but you brought it up a while ago where <laughs> he really there's does. just, I, it makes me sick. I vomit every time. So <laughs> it gets to the point where you just see all these guys get released. Oh, maybe like Gargano might contract might be coming up. Or what about Kevin Owens contract? Like bring them on over. Cause everyone has that dream of like, 
seeing these guys in their natural element. And it makes sense. I want to see this wrestler where wrestling is actually fun and good, right? I want to see where they actually give them the credit they deserve. But there's only so many people in places. We've talked about it before. Like, there's only so many spots. And Brian Cage, like, you've got to bide your time. Like, yeah, maybe it sucks that you're not here now, but like, it's going to rotate. It's going to go through the thing. Like, we've all forgotten Cody Rhodes even exists. It's like, oh, Cody Rhodes is coming back. I, okay, I guess. Like, there's just so much talent here. Um, you know, just bide your time. You think about Batista, right? Batista obviously kind of rocketed up to the top, but he had to spend some time. He had to um, work out with Triple H, yep. He had to spend some time, you know, being <laughs> Deacon Batista and being did, second yeah. to Devon Dudley. And then he had to spend some time under Triple H's heavy before he eventually built up and had that huge, big moment. Uh, speaking of huge, big moments, I can confirm uh, right now, happened moments ago, uh, Big E has won the WWE Championship. Oh, snap. Sorry if you guys were PVRing Raw and going to watch so the whole right three-hour like, thing. He cashed, I was PVRing is Raw, your dad watching never intended it, to Paris? watch it. Tell, tell him not to listen to the podcast. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he cashed in uh, mid-match. Orton got put through a table. Lashley's knee was hurt. And then uh, Big E came out, and Big E is now the champion. Now, this is 1,000% something that is driven by AEW success. Last Wednesday's Dynamite, uh, 1.4 or 1.2 million in the ratings, and in the key 18 to 49 demo they actually beat raw so you know raw's feeling the heat here they've got their own guys mick foley coming out saying that there is a problem booker t coming out and saying mick foley's got a point there is a problem we got to get our asses in gear and then this is now what they've done they've elevated a star i brought it up before it reminds me a lot of the a sports angel series where they just kept floating along doing the same shit and then angel 2k came along and all of a sudden they're like hey we should invent this crazy new skill stick system and like they came up with inventive things we look back it's a great point mcfoley talks about it guess who was also a guy that got a push probably he might not have gotten because they wanted you know that'll put butts in the seat infamous moment but they kind of went outside the box they went again they went against the vince mcmahon grain you know like vince there's certain things he won't like. He's not going to love Mick. He's going to love what Mick does for him, but that's not his... He wants that big bruiser in the ring. He he wants everyone to be Batista. We get that. So the fact that the big E is in there, he's getting the champion, you know that was part of that was, this will be shocking. This will be a fun surprise. What kind of give people what they want for once? I think that's clearly... that. W- I don't think that would have happened if we're not for AEW. I don't. No, totally a reactionary move here. And you mentioned surprise... I am slightly disappointed because it came out on social media earlier today. He just straight up said, I'm coming to Raw tonight and I'm going to cash in my Money in the Bank championship, right? Main event's happening. Orton's through a table. uh, Lasher's limping around. Here comes uh, Big E and he cashes in and he wins. And there goes Money in the Bank for another year. Okay, great. I love that Big E is champion, but that really kind of took away the surprise element of Money in the Bank, which is, you know, a little disappointing. We we all love a surprise, but uh, people aren't going to tune in if they're not anticipating the surprise happening. And that could have been the case here, right? We needed to ratings bump. We needed to, to get something going here. So have Big E tell everyone he's going to do it, and then people are going to watch the whole show, and they... they open the show with a uh, interaction between the three guys and then they close the show with the match with Big E winning and that's what people tuned in for potentially all three hours for so we'll see if it paid off um, but you know great moments come out of Seth Rollins at Wrestlemania running out and cashing in oh. but that doesn't generate people tuning in because you don't know it's going to happen so uh, if this was an intentional uh payback move retaliation move then they had to pitch it because people weren't going to tune in otherwise 
And then that that's what it comes down to. We talked about how like they were, you know, wink, wink, CM Punk's coming, but like it felt more natural and this feels reactionary. And that's what, that's why I like the AEW style where it's kind of more, feels more wrestling. This feels very corporate style sort of stuff for me. So, um, I kind of like, you know, and Bowman talks about it all the time in the sense of like, what if a Royal Rumble winner had come out because the guys just before them got eliminated, so the last guy gets to win the Rumble. I like things that are like, not too smarky, but a bit fun with it, right? So I almost like it if like Biggie announces I'm going to be with the Money in the Bank. They're fighting. They see him coming. They fucking just DQ each other. Said, fuck that. No, we're not giving this championship. Oh. Right? Like, because they know. I, I want them to be smart and aware. Like, it's the whole thing. Like, how many how many divas lost a match to a roll-up because a music hit, right? Like, give me something where, like, sometimes we're a bit self-aware and have a bit more fun. Like, a little, a little nod to the audience that, like, no, these guys, like, they can pick up on this thing. Kind of like when they in a match, like, they fought each other so much. They know each other's finishers. Give me stuff that's kind of fun that I can buy into and make everyone seem smart. Because, again, I think WWE has treated fans as dumb for so long that I kind of enjoy, like almost too much when they treat you even just like a bit smart like oh i get how that makes sense yay like it shouldn't be that impactful but it is for me now like treat me as like just like wrestling as fun and real and enjoyable and and don't just make it be a pr move every time yeah because you got to keep it fresh because you know there's guys like us who have been watching wrestling for 30 plus years and a lot of their audience has left they've got new audience members as well new people watching but yeah doing stuff like that that people haven't seen before it's obviously a lot tougher for people who've been watching wrestling for as long as we have but it is still really really fresh whatever they do Wyatt that is fantastic booking that's a great idea I love that imagine these two guys just hate Orton, like sorry they hate uh, Biggie so much and they didn't want to be the guy that wins the title so Lashley and Orton do whatever they can to like get their match on but while keeping Biggie not involved at all like that'd be a fun kind of angle to do with the, the briefcase yeah because you mentioned Seth Rollins and that was I think the last briefcase holder that I was super super invested in I mean uh, Brock Lesnar had it as a boombox so that was great as it, as it was, was fa- anything he does is fantastic yeah yeah it's, but it's um, I loved the thing they had with Rollins and Ambrose still feuding where Ambrose is like no matter what I'm going to be there to stop you from cashing in every time you try to they abandoned that rather quickly but that was something I was super super into watching unfold for a while is Rollins keeps trying to cash it in and Ambrose is always there to thwart him always a thorn in his side honestly it's my number one frustration with the WWE is the underutilization of the money in the bank briefcase there's so many interesting things and interesting ways you can take it Thomas Crown Affair and- Thomas Crown Affair <laughs> exactly. yes. Yes. I, yeah well just to, to that point we've already talked about this but like it, it is something that could be done so interestingly and in the last specifically in the last five years it's been it's been such a moot point and it's just been something that they've kind of had every year it gets squandered it gets buried it gets baron corbin it's uh, transferred because otis yeah. otis won the the one from the roof and yeah. then just yeah. you know nothing happened to that then they just gave it to miz and then miz won it and was champion for 10 days before just transitioning to lashley boom yeah, money in so the you bank tried to, you tried to do something interesting and for whatever reason you decide to go against it as opposed to working with otis to try and make this work um you just kind of to bury it there was a reason why they put it on otis in the first place and it wasn't to give it to miz no so think about that go back to think about why you put it on otis in the first place and utilize that and yeah i just feel like there's just a trend specifically recently and i think honestly like i'm glad biggie is a champion good for him i'm happy he's the champion i'm sure he'll have a decent run but 
it's kind of another example of them just using this as a as a tool to kind of move forward yeah and it's kind of it's it's a transition champion it is you know oh it's the money in the bank that uh gave it to biggie it's not he didn't win it from lashley he just got it uh and it that seems like a real underutilization of what is and what was a very cool gimmick that gave guys the rub and that's just not the case anymore. And they move him over to Raw to have him win that championship. You would thought that maybe they were positioning him, I'd mentioned it many times before, as he would be the guy that would dethrone Roman Reigns because whoever does that, that's a big Lesner. star. Yeah, Lesnar. That's a big star-making moment. And, you know, Lesnar needs to be made, of course. He needs it. He needs it. Yeah. Um, Talking about titles, Samoa Joe vacated the NXT championship due to injury. Super disappointing to see. He just came back. Injuries have dogged him his entire, you know, career with the WWE. And every time he seems to get some momentum, he just gets cut out at the legs. Uh, Paris, thoughts on Samoa Joe vacating the NXT uh, title? I am curious how legitimate this is, to be honest with you. It is this just a way for them to easily get out of Samoa Joe as champion as they go into the rebranding of NXT? I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, tomorrow is the rebranding day, or I guess tonight, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, is the rebranding day of NXT. And this seems like a real easy way to just say, oh, there goes Samoa Joe, injured again. Whoops. And we can all move forward. And let's talk about the fatal four-way for the NXT title that will be happening tonight, the first of the relaunch. We've got Kyle O'Reilly versus Tommaso Ciampa versus Pete Dunne versus L.A. Knight. This being the rebrand, uh, is there any way L.A. Knight doesn't come out of this with the champ? Is he not the prototypical Oof. championship or the champion of uh, Vince and Bruce Pritchard's uh, paintball NXT? I'm, I'm going to pass this to Paris. I just had the hottest wing of my life. Please, Paris, please answer this. It's so fucking hot. It is so hot. We're rebranding to that YouTube show. That, uh, so, hot yeah, the hot ones. Are called, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. This is not good. I'm here the with uh, award-winning journalist Wyatt Arndt. Let's yeah, see I if would he can be handle these wings I like Lord did. I ain't even sweating at all. This is <laughs> fun. My case is on fire. Oh, my God. Please answer this question. <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what the answer to that is as I'm laughing at Wyatt. Oh the beer's not going to make it better. The beer's going to make it think, worse, but I'm going to have it. I think Cha Champa represents the old NXT. It's not right? Champa. It's not going to be Champa, all right? No. Dunn, I don't see it I think it's Pete either Dunn Kyle O'Reilly or, yeah. or LA Knight. And I would honestly lean towards Kyle O'Reilly. I don't know. He's been, He's put in the work recently. So maybe this is the right way to put the belt on him and have him be the guy to give it to their next star um, because he's credible. He's the right guy. I don't know. Like, why are you so convinced that it's L.A. Knight? I just think that he has exactly what, you know, Vince and Bruce Pritchard look for in a star. And also, if but you want to have a young, the chase guy. start, you could have Kyle O'Reilly chasing a heel L.A. Knight for that title for a couple months. Two, two 35-year-old uh m small guys yep in la night and and kyle o'reilly that's what they said it's not going to be anymore so i I, I, don't, I don't know i honestly don't i think la night is a lot more of a superstar and kyle o'reilly is a lot more of a wrestler if that makes yes. any sense at all that's right true. it's all yep. about that showmanship yep. the promo skills all that sort of stuff that's why i think it's going to be la night he's got a good look and I, he's got that quality where he's out there with the mic and doing that sort of stuff i'm surprised it's not ridge holland whose name i remember just hey, now it, literally ridge literally holland. every time i try to think about this man i always forget his name we're going to check in with wyatt and the uh, the <sighs> hot wing update wyatt 
There's nothing hotter uh, than that wing in Kyle O'Reilly's submission game. So, uh, no, I would yeah. go with Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> I do agree. Like your segue game. Yeah, my segue game is on fire, uh, just like segues themselves. Uh, so here's the thing with um, <laughs> For two. Guys, award-winning journalist. Book it. Um, so Take yeah. It out, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to say anymore. I don't care. I nailed it. That's it. I don't even care about my point. No. Um, so <laughs> I do agree. Like, depends on like is the rumors true. Are Vince in there and Bruce running it? Is Triple H fully like? I know he had the the cardiac incident. Is he going to remove from from running it for now? So I do agree that you know. WD is going to tend to go towards more like the chase is more exciting and, you know, Kyle Riley chasing will be fun. It's also a new start in a sense that like, okay, like this is not just Kyle Riley. It's kind of continuing where they left off. So I don't think it'll be Kyle Riley, though. I would love that. I think he, you know, I love him. I do agree that like traditionally he's maybe not what Vince loves and he's very much like old school NXT and the kind of guy that people would like fall in love with and on, like, on the indie level. So, uh, but again, uh, he's a local kid. I saw him wrestle on Tasmo. I wouldn't be so excited to see him, uh, you know, take that title but we'll see again this is the wd me where i'm like i'm assuming i look at everything so critically with them we're like what are all the flaws that vince sees in these people <laughs> like, that's like <laughs> totally. instead of saying the yeah. positives it makes you look it at all the negatives. Fun. yeah yeah it's not fun you get dragged into it whereas if this happened aw i'd be having a fun time trying to figure out the storylines but with here i'm like what would vince hate about this person and this person and this person and who wins by default like that's that's horrible yeah uh, the other major news story of the week was uh, came out that Kevin Owens' contract is up apparently in January, uh, and he tweeted the or changed the, um, his uh, coordinates to Mount Rushmore, which is a stable from PWG with the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, guys we know he's close with. Uh, he changed his location on Twitter to almost there. The Young Bucks changed theirs to there. Uh, Sami Zayn, apparently it's also come out that his contract's going to be done by the end of the year. Is this a gimme? Do you see these guys, without questions, going to AEW? Uh, Sami Zayn, yes, I, I honestly do. Kevin Owens, I'm not sure because Kevin Owens, as we've discussed previously, is maybe the only success story who, who, through all these guys. And I feel like his career is actually going pretty well. Like, I feel like he might be genuinely happy where with where he is in WWE, where he is with the company, where he is on the card, who he's wrestling, all those kind of things. So I don't see him as, as the same sort of jaded as I see a lot of these other guys. Uh, Sami Zayn has, has been kind of squandered for the majority of his career with WWE, uh, main roster that is. Um, so I oh. could see that. He'll go to AW but... because the second he gets a chance, like especially like politically with WWE, like I can't oh, imagine yeah. Sami Zayn wants to be around there, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Owens is an interesting case because he's such a like family man, right? Wants to you know make as much money as he can, provide a really good life for his family. Apparently, the offers that WWE made to D Brian Danielson and AEW were pretty comparable. So I think they've got the money to bring in a guy like Kevin Owens. But as someone who loved Kevin Steen in Ring of Honor as much as I did, I would love to see an unfiltered Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, whatever you want to call him, just rip it up in AEW and bring back the package pile driver because I don't like him doing the stunner. That's I don't know all. What it that's is, all right? you want. That's yeah. all you want. Package you want the package driver. Driver. I want it back. But ultimately, I don't think he's in any better shape creatively, or at least not that much of a better shape creatively with AEW and the roster they have and the roster they're building than he is now. I, I just don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, so I don't know if that's the right route for him. And I think this is maybe the first example that we see. Um, but I did want to bring up, did you hear what uh, WWE pitched to Adam Cole? Yes. In regards to his character on the main roster? Why did you hear? 
I sure did. It reminded me a lot of Shorty G sort of stuff. Oh, it's just like, oh Shorty it was Vin. very Shorty G. Vince can't get enough of like calling people small. Like it's, it's such a, like a stereotypical alpha male. Like if you don't wrestle him on a fucking plane, you don't win a title. It's so <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> so yeah, essentially he was, he was uh, going to be Keith Lee's Leo Rush, ostensibly. Yeah. The, yeah. the guy, the talker behind the big guy. And uh, that like, honestly, like, who who is running creative that pitches that? Oh, we want you to stay. We have all these great plans for you. What are those plans? Oh, here we go. Are you fucking kidding me? Like no one, no one, no credible wrestler, let alone one of the biggest talents in Adam Cole, is going to say, "Yeah, I want to do that." And let's not forget, he was teasing photos of challenging Shinsuke Nakamura, maybe for the IC title. A lot of people thought that he would be elevated to SmackDown and entering into a program with uh, with Nakamura right away. And no, apparently they just want him to be, yeah, the mouthpiece for Keith Lee. Yeah, that's shocking. In like you know. Five, six, seven years? Sure, but now that guy could still go better than anyone. Again, it comes down to WWE having a monopoly and telling us what you know what wrestling is and what they think it is is sports entertainment, and they have not respected the business. I know it's a broken record, but they really haven't. They basically try to tell you what you should enjoy, what is wrestling, and all that stuff. And to be fair, they've had control of it. They could they could get away with it, but you look at someone like you know John Ambrose Moxley. And he's he's fighting these Japanese legends. And, like, imagine that. Like, yeah, and you look at, like, you know, I'm sure Adam Cole would love to wrestle Shinsuke. That would be fucking, like, when you're a wrestler, you want to face the best and face these guys you've always looked up to and all that shit. And then here's John Ambrose Moxley out here facing Suzuki. I wish Suzuki had won, but, you know, fair enough. But the fact that he gets to wrestle that, like, that's a dream sort of match scenario. And, and it's not even, like, a main event thing, but it's just, like, a fun event. And, like, if you're a wrestler who wants to do wrestling shit, like, AEW is the place to be. It is. Yep. Um, Mike Paris, how about a little uh, Pusher Barry? You into that? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, uh, hit it. let's, let's move on. Uh, yeah, so I've just got a few ones, and honestly, they're all... I'm going to stick to TV-related uh, topics right now. Uh, but first and foremost, something that we haven't covered in, um, in uh, the wide world of wrestling is the draft which is once again happening in the first week of October, the brand draft, which I assume now will exclude talent from uh, NXT. Maybe not. Maybe that's where we get some of these call-ups that they want to stick around. Uh, But the draft is happening again. Boys, how do you feel about a WWE brand draft push or bury? Hard to say. There have been good drafts and good movement in the last, you know, several years. I think there's a lot of pressure from USA and a lot of pressure from Fox to have this star, that star. Fox is mad that these people are over on this show. USA is mad these people are on this show. So with all that sort of posturing, I I will push a draft because I like fresh matchups. If we can get um, Damian Priest away from Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, all those guys away from each other, that'd be good. I want to push it. Only if they have the fake boardrooms of network executives that are super <laughs> fired up that Tamina Snuka is coming to SmackDown. If they Without have like the Fox fake robot, board, uh, the war rooms, <laughs> I fucking love. That was the silliest thing. What? Uh, bury it worse than Bishop's going to bury Sharif the next time he finds him in the hallway. I just I cannot <laughs> stand drafts. I think that's the biggest crutch for them, not being able to handle storylines properly. You're like, oh, I hope we can find a way to get Sheamus away from fucking Damian. Fucking make it work in a storyline, motherfuckers. Like, don't make it a draft. That's not your reset button you use all the fucking time. I hate the draft. I don't give a shit about the draft. I don't give a shit about the different brands. I fucking hate it. I hate any time they're like, I'm Team Raw. I'm Team SmackDown. 
fuck off. I don't give a shit. It, uh, honestly, honestly, I'll push back on that. It did work when Becky Lynch became the man during that uh, time frame. Mm-hmm. But that's Becky Lynch. Uh, that's her credit. That like, was she fun. made it work. But like, if you're asking, yeah. again, how many drafts have there been? How many times have I remembered a good fun one? Not many. And if I'm like, I sure hope someone has a star making fucking moment where they make it themselves. That shouldn't be what I'm thinking about a draft. I fucking hate it. And it is a good lead in to, to potentially Survivor Series teams. Maybe you can set something interesting up there. But uh, yeah, I, I'm generally in agreement that it is just kind of a way to get out. Yeah, but to that point, you've got someone who's been on SmackDown for six months. They're going to, you know, wear the blue shirt and defend their brand's honor and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like everything coming out of the draft eh, and Survivor Series itself. Eh, what else you got? Uh, once again, theme of the night is uh, TV shows. So how about fictional TV shows? Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen Heels, and then there's also Glow. Uh, any any favorites within the fictional realm of wrestling television? I will push Glow. I enjoyed Glow quite a bit. Sad that they're not going to get a chance to wrap up their uh, their narrative they had set up there. And uh, I will, I guess, be indifferent towards Heels because I haven't seen it yet. I'm kind of waiting for a couple episodes to stock up so I can watch it uh, watch it in a row. So I will uh, I will push that one. Sure what good. about just the premise of of oh, I, I fictional like, I, I think wrestling television? Yeah, I think like Glow is really good. Like my girlfriend hates wrestling. She enjoyed Glow. And I know several people that don't enjoy wrestling that liked it. And I thought Glow respected and didn't make it seem hokey and stupid. Um, respected the business. And I feel like Heels obviously does the same thing from what I've heard. So I'm good with that. So long as they don't make it like just super cartoony and you know schmaltzy and stuff. Uh, I, it's tough because obviously I'm watching Dark Side of the Ring with everyone else and all this other shit. Like I, I do enjoy it, but I've gotten to the point now where I just kind of want the magic of the show to kind of take over, and so I don't necessarily want. Like Glow's a bit different in the sense it is almost like biographical. They're kind of going to like a time period, and that's fine. But like I, like I don't want to watch the wrestler ever again. I don't want to see the sad mm-hmm. side of things. Like I don't yeah. need that right now. Like it's just I kind of want to have fun with it, especially with like the way COVID's been. Like. Just, just take me away on your magic carpet ride. Like I don't want to see. That. That's, that's all I want. That's oddly Show me the romantic. World. <laughs> <laughs> and to Dark Side of the Rings point, comes back this Thursday with the plane ride from hell episode. Oh, God damn it, Scott Hall! Your career came to an end there. For Rick, <laughs> Rick, a, a, a shadow Rick Flair whose backlit's going to be swinging his. His little yeah, nature boy around, trouble from that wearing one, a robe. Like, it's gonna be yeah. incredible. Well, yes. funny you should mention it because that's the next topic on Pusher Barry. Oh no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> nudity. <laughs> uh, so new episodes coming out this week of Dark Side of the Ring, and I guess what I wanted your guys' thoughts on because I know you both watch the show, both enjoy the show. Um, but I think there's been some criticism about how families are portrayed and how, uh, maybe these people are being portrayed posthumously. Uh, any thoughts about that and the respect of it? It's always going to be dangerous when you're doing documentaries. Sometimes there's always going to be a bit of a slant or an angle. And yeah, I, sometimes you can see when it's an obvious kind of like gotcha style where they want to get the eyes and stuff. And maybe they lean into some of the, the horrifying things of it. But I mean, a lot of these incidents are not great. They're not, you know, awesome. Like you're talking about the destruction of someone's lives. So it's, it is, you know, there's, there's that element of like how Nightcrawler are they going with it? Like how much <laughs> are they trying to like, you know, use it to get eyes and stuff. And, but overall, like, you know, I still think they're important stories to tell because of the wrestling industry at all. Like, I want the health of the workers to be number one. I want, I don't want this sort of thing to keep happening. I hate hearing stories of these guys like dying alone or having a heart attack or all this stuff. Like, I really want the workers to be safe because they're putting the bodies in their line for our entertainment. Like, I'm sitting there watching these guys and like they get knocked out and it's like it makes for a great moment. But like, even look at stuff. Let's go to UFC. It's Stephen Bonner now is posting videos of him locked in a hospital bathroom and like screaming out he just not getting his oxycontin in. Like, it's really sad. And I just want there to be a better support system for like all sports. But like with wrestling, it just feels like. 
it's an extra level of like because they don't get like as much money as as bigger stars doing bigger sports and stuff it feels like they do get left behind and i feel there was a, a, a higher level of carny atmosphere of people being used because i don't know like in, in wrestling i feel like you really can abuse people's dreams for your own benefit like you see it in their eyes they want to totally. be a wrestler and i think you can take advantage of that and i that really makes me feel bad I don't feel it's wholly destructive on Dark Side of the Ring sometimes because the David Benoit stuff was actually really good and really touching. Getting him, you know, essentially some semblance of family back and putting them in, you know, contact with each other. I thought that was super heartwarming and really well done. But you could like say a, the same thing about the Pillman story. Yeah, really. You, you like there was a lot of kind of heartwarming stuff uh, near the tail end of that that came to light uh, or, you know, came, kind of was referenced uh, this week on Dynamite. Yeah, I love that stuff and I love Dark Side of the Ring. It also educates me on a lot of stuff that, like, I didn't know why I don't trust the process. We talked about the collision in Korea episode, which I didn't yeah. know any of no that idea. shit. Too cold Scorpio going to fuck. Who's he going to murder? murder people. Yeah. Gonna murder what are the, what are the legion of, of oh, yeah, he's going to murder <laughs> Hawk <laughs> in yeah. North Korea and you spend the rest shoe. of his life in jail. I didn't know a ton about <laughs> Bruiser Brody. And again, that again showcases his family life and everything and what a positive like family man that he was. Uh, so I think from an educational standpoint, it's great to learn a lot more about it. To Wyatt's point, yeah, there's obviously going to be a little bit of a slant when it's a documentary, but I think they do a pretty good job of walking that line and balancing it because, guys, this isn't like A side of the ring, it's dark side of the ring. So a lot of this stuff is, you know, pretty heavy subject matter. And if some of the people they're covering have passed away, you're not going to get, you know, obviously the whole the whole story of it. So, well, even like the Jake yeah, Roberts I, one, I, which was sorry to cut you up, like the Jake Roberts one, which is like it's no, just a horrible story, but like it lets you know why like this guy might have had some addictive issues, like yeah, the fucking shit right. he went through, the fuck his family went through, like. There are definitely some episodes where, like, it w I think it was healing and it was very helpful. So I think overall, like, I don't walk away from this series thinking, like, oh, like, look, I even watched the full thing of um, the China one, the Vice thing on the China. Mm. But, like, you see her agent and you get that, like, ooh, I don't like this guy. Like, he's, like, comes out to, I almost saw it, like, goes to the Comic-Con. China's over here. China's over here. And you're, like, oh, you get that kind of, like, smarm to it. You're, like, oh, it's a bit greasy. Or as Dark Side of the Ring, I don't get that same exact feeling all the time. Of, like, well, that was clearly, like, they're trying to, like, you know take advantage of this so yeah and they didn't present new jack with any sort of slant or anything that's just that's just jerome young man that's crazy i i intentionally watched the um ultimate warrior one uh back to back with the a and e Same. wwe approved Same. uh biography and it, honestly they were actually relatively similar like it was the a i was surprised at how little the a and e one was uh slanted uh, in a positive direction but mm -hmm. Um, so kudos to them that yep. WWE approved something like that. But, you know, I, I think that kind of spurns the question. Like, I wonder if there's promoters, wrestlers, all these people kind of thinking about this, like, oh shit, like, I don't want to be a future dark side of the ring episode. Like, yeah. you know, are we going to change how we're doing things? Are the wrestlers going to change what they're doing? Are the promoters going to change how they're working? Uh, agents, managers, all these people that we've seen such dark sides of uh you know maybe it, it is good in the long run yeah because how do you come out of watching the jimmy snooka episode or the owen hart episode and feel any sort of sympathy or empathy or anything for vince mcmahon i, I honestly that owen one makes me so mad just like the entire story of getting some guy for cheaper and like using yep. the worst rigs like I, I still get so fucking mad so fucking senseless like I, I just hate that one and it's just again we talked before vince is a problematic owner and you know i'll see him crying with under the giant but i'm like are they crocodiles here like you're sad because you're eighth one of the world's missing like that's what it feels like i don't know how sincere is and i'm sure i don't doubt in his own weird world he cares for them but like not enough, right? Like, oh my, okay. Have you guys seen the uh, speaking of the A and E biographies? Have you seen the Roddy Piper one? 
I yeah. do not know. The first 30 seconds of the Roddy Piper one is a clip of Vince McMahon looking straight into the camera, uh, pretending to talk to Roddy Piper on the phone while Roddy it's is weird. in hell. It's weird. What? He's like, oh, hey, Roddy, how you doing down there? Oh, sounds pretty hot. What? You're saving a spot for me down there? Oh, sounds good. And then he like, ha, 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 it's fine. I know Roddy's in heaven. That is, <laughs> It's yeah, so awkward it is, and it weird. Heroin <laughs> and scary. What? And we all know the ultimate dark side of the ring is Vince McMahon part one, part two, part three, part four. Because that guy's got an upbringing and a half and just all the shit he's been into. I mean, you do that as a four-parter, you can walk off into the sunset having accomplished an amazing wrestling documentary. So, um, all right. Thank you very much for Pusher Barry this week, Mike Paris. Real quick one on our way out the door, a little This Week in Wrestling History. One, two, three, four, hit it! So although this week in wrestling history should be slanted towards NEW's first ever show at the Richmond Gaming Stadium on September 11th, uh, we're going to talk about September 14th, 1997, Western Salem, North Carolina, WCW Fall Brawl, Team NWO versus Team Horsemen. So leading up to this, Kurt Hennig came out, he join the horseman he was going to be on their team when he enters the war games cage turns on him blindsides him slams rick flair's hair uh, head in the cage door bloodies him up joins the nwo uh one of the biggest like heel turns of you know wcw at that time uh paris thoughts on uh th- that war games match and mr perfect kurt hennig being a total dick uh, yeah, that was a fun match, and honestly, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a fan of either of these stables at the time, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, uh, never a horseman guy, Rick, never a Ric Flair guy, uh, certainly. Um, and uh, and this was this was fun. It was cool, and it did bring to mind. And I said this to you guys in the chat that I uh, I would love to talk about kind of the bigger heel turns against stables, because uh, my mind uh, instantly goes to uh, Roderick Strong. Uh, flipping to the undisputed oh, era, so good. Um, in a, and I believe that was in a war games match as well. Um, and I just, I like, I like a good. That's a great way to make a heel turn. And of course, we got Adam Cole this past uh, week, instantly heel turning uh, to go join uh, the heel stable. Uh, and yeah, I was a big Roderick Strong fan, still am. You are, yeah. Uh, but to see him join Undisputed Era uh, brought joy to my soul. And I, his heel work was always better than his face work, and uh, and he got to prove it right there. And it, and it gave him a boost uh, in in NXT as well. So that's a, a moment for me. And in, it was of the past five and years. It was fantastic because he fit there. He fit with them. I did not ever find yeah. Kurt Kurt Hennig. I felt fit with the Four Horsemen right? These wrestling technicians right. and stuff, and he's been like a bastard in the past. I thought he fit with them way more than he fit with the uh, NWO, and it's fucked up because he pulled the exact same shit with the Wolfpack, where he fake joined the Wolfpack and then turned on them with Rick Rude. I think about uh, Seth Rollins obviously betraying the Shield and then joining the Authority, right. being Triple H's, like the next big thing, the Golden Goose, all that kind of stuff. Again, I'm all for 
hurt if the person fits with uh, who they're aligning with uh, afterwards. Why do you have any major like heel turns against stables or stables breaking up in the past that really jump out at you? I, I'm gonna go with one that kind of formed, and again, I would talk about it all the time. Uh, the Rock joining the corporation, uh. just the, just because you had Mick Foley kind of wanted to be part of it, and The Rock was really kind of like it felt like it was his time to shine as a good guy, and then for him to shove it down because a it makes people pissed off because they wanted to cheer him, and then he joins the corporation and puts on like the best performance of his career. He's not singing along with the Champ Night. Fucking loved it. That's one of my favorite moments. Just like because that really got me too. Because I was like, I was a big rock guy. I'm like, finally we get to cheer him on. It's gonna be great. And then he does that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna boo you out of respect, sir. Well done. And I do want to give a shout out to uh, Brock Lesnar for just tearing it up in, in Raw recently. I'm still loving him doing his shit all over our WB. Uh, I don't like a lot of WB, but Brock Lesnar uh, looking, you know, tomato face and that ponytail, it, it's working for me. I'm loving it. <laughs> tomato, yeah, tomato he gets, face he got, with the I'm ponytail. worried about heart attacks. He's getting that Ric Flair red face from like, oh, oh he, maybe. <laughs> he goes he goes maroon after yeah. like a minute. He jumps to that he jumps to that apron for his big spot, and yeah, he's maroon <laughs> right away. So if you guys have some heel turns against stables or some heel turns overall that you loved let us know follow us at new wrestle pod and uh yeah check it out uh i just wanted to note that um i did i did get a response from clive uh but he refused to uh list an emoji and all he said is that wyatt the award-winning journalist should be an emoji expert and he should know so oh uh, and, and i do and i can tell you he used the eggplant emoji so there you go oh wow <laughs> On that note, uh, that closes the book <laughs> on another episode of NEW Wrestle Nation. As I said, you can follow us on Twitter at NEW Wrestle Pod, and be sure to also follow the Nation Extreme Wrestling account at NEW Wrestling Inc. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. If you're on iTunes, leave a rating for the show, leave a review. Uh, that's all for this week, lads. Uh, for the stanchion, why aren't the architect Mike Paris, Clive Paris, and <laughs> I'm Jay Bowman, and we'll see you next week on. Wrestle Nation.